Welcome back to The Duck Stops Here, a podcast from the University of Oregon. Mark Twain once said, too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. Today's guest knows a little something about whiskey. As a chemistry major at UO, he discovered that his science education fit perfectly with his passion for brewing beer. He's here to talk to us about the art and science of making whiskey. He said, you need to find what you're interested in. And I knew right away what I was interested in was making beer. That was what I was interested in is why does beer have a like bitter and fruity taste with the sweetness in there? How do they do that? How do they make like beer from wheat? How do you make beer from barley? Why is some beer dark? Why all these like questions? And and what was kind of interesting as I started to get dive more into those questions was it was all about chemistry. It was all about biology and uh, an applied science. That was Alex Chazko, Portland native, brewing and distillery aficionado, and proud duck. As a chemistry major at UO, Alex became interested in the science behind making beer and the processes such as fermentation. This drive led Alex to getting his master's in brewing and distilling in Scotland and then working with Teeling Whiskey to become the first distillery back in Dublin in 125 years. Today, Alex shares his journey from Eugene to Seattle to Singapore and finally to Scotland in pursuit of his passion for the connection between science and whiskey. Alex is being interviewed by Mike Aronson, Associate Professor of Cinema Studies at the University of Oregon. A big welcome to Alex and Mike. So, uh, I mean, I think the first thing we have to do is explain why a silent film professor who's focused on, on, on mostly on the U.S. Uh, is interviewing a, uh, a whiskey distiller living in Ireland um, because the, the, it's not it's not probably super obvious. No. So yeah, so I run I run our study abroad program for cinema studies, and we come to Dublin every summer. And yeah, I, I fess up. I like Irish whiskey. So uh, at some point, I went on the tour, you know, the kind of the commercial tour by myself. All uh, right. I had been very disappointed with the Jameson one, and I had heard Teeling was awesome. And uh, I went on the tour, and when we went into the into the was it the mash the yeah the yeah floor of the distillery there yeah and the tour guy said and and these barrels are Oregon pine and I and I kind of brightened up and you know my tourist way is like I'm from Oregon um, <laughs> and and he said oh well so is our distiller so that's you know so I was like what how is that possible so I did I you know I did the research and and then and then reached out to you and of course subsequently found out that it's not really oregon wood right it's it's no it's, it's not real we're, we are really oregonians but it's not real oregon yeah wood it's it's canadian douglas fir but it's known in the industry as oregon pine but you know what that's funny because that was one of the reasons that i became interested in making whiskey was taking a tour similar to what you were talking about there of the glenfiddich distillery and them saying, you know, here are Oregon pine fermenters. And I'd be like, what the hell is that? Like, that's, huh? And then I, the thought 
Yeah, as as you know, right? Like in, in Oregon, the thought of like, oh, those things that are growing in the backyard, I could cut one of them down and make a gigantic vat out of it and start making whiskey. Like that just sounds like crazy. Yeah, although somewhat tempting too. So <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so we should back up a little because I mean the other reason it's not just that you're from Oregon, right? Um, but that you are in fact a UO alum and uh, yeah. And tell us, about, I mean, like you grew up in in Portland. Yeah, I grew up in Portland, Lake Oswego. Went to Lake Oswego High School, um, and did a brief stint in Michigan for a year. And decided that I really didn't like the Michigan winter. That was way way too cold for me and so i transferred to the university of oregon good choice uh, yeah it was a good great choice of course um uh and oddly enough michael one of the things that i think is interesting also with our connection besides uh, oregon and a love of irish whiskey uh had taken the class while i was at the university of oregon that you now teach the history of motion pictures Let's let's be clear. I'm old, but I'm not that old. It wasn't me teaching the class. No, it was not you teaching the class. Exactly. I mean, so chemistry came before whiskey, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry came before whiskey. I was always like interested in the sciences and math and um, didn't want to be, you know, as uh, hardcore as like a physics uh, major and uh, didn't quite uh, fit in with the wishy-washy bacteria and the, uh, um, you know, zebrafish of the biology department. Uh, and so I, um, I ended up in the chemistry department, to be fair, mostly because of the uh, fact that the chemistry department had a lot of uh, electives. So you could do things like that history of motion picture class. You could do other things that you were interested in. And I think that's probably one of the things I really got out of the University of Oregon was that, that other thing, right? It could have been a chemistry major if I'd stayed in Michigan or wherever. But like, I think that the, the other classes that the U of O offers is really uh, interesting. Yeah, so so a, a true liberal arts education, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, when I was a freshman in college, I was uh, making wine in my closet. Were, were you, uh, and then and then selling futures to my uh, dorm mates. Um, <laughs> but uh, did, when did you first like start dabbling in in making alcohol? Yeah, it probably would have been beer, and would have been that like maybe sophomore year at the University of Oregon. Uh, with the, starting out with a few like extract homebrew kits. And um, having some pretty, I thought, bad results with that. Although other people, it turns out, like free alcohol. So <laughs> the friends thought it was great. I thought it was, it could be better. While I was doing that uh, during the summers, working at Bridgeport Brewing Company up in Portland, uh, on the starting out on the bottling line, and uh, and then eventually into uh, a few other roles there and uh, kegging and other things like that. Um, yeah, but it was great to be, you know, I was a college student. I was, uh, you know, there for two, three months during the summer and, um, learning about brewing, learning about, you know, biology and chemistry and the, and the applied uh, chemistry of, uh, uh, the hops and isoamyl, uh, alcohol and all that sort of stuff. So at some point 
in your college career were you like okay this is this is the what i'm gonna do or did it did you kind of fall in? i actually don't know this story i mean i know you worked at bridgeport so yeah chemistry major at the university of oregon and uh one of the things you had to do was a project right with a professor on on research or one of the things you could do is a project for your uh, uh as an undergrad working in a laboratory and so I, I really wanted to do that. I thought that would be great to actually see some real like um, university level um, basic chemistry research on, uh, on a subject. And so I started going around and talking to professors about their research projects. And there was one professor, I can't even remember his name, but I, what I remember was like getting in there for, with a meeting with him, walking across campus and it being freezing cold and I arrive in his office and within the first three minutes, it's clear that like he isn't going to let me work in his lab, and uh, and I was like, why aren't you going to let me? You know, even what what was the point of even having this meeting, right? Why why are we even talking? And he was saying, oh, it's just out of matter, you know, common courtesy and and whatnot. And um, and I said, so why aren't you going to let me be in your your laboratory? Uh, and he said, because your interest is not my research projects. I want students who think night and day about my research projects. <clears throat> All right, well, that's, that's a bit harsh, but yeah, it's true. I, whatever he was researching, I was not particularly interested in. And he said, you need to find what you're interested in. And I knew right away what I was interested in was making beer. That was what I was interested in is why does beer have a like bitter and fruity taste with the sweetness in there. How do they do that? How do they make like beer from wheat? How do you make beer from barley? Why is some beer dark? Why all these like questions? And and what was kind of interesting as I started to get dive more into those questions was it was all about chemistry. It was all about biology and uh, and applied science. And then you learn that the history of temperature the history of you know pascal and and enzymatic reactions and all these things that we now take as being like basic you know science with a big s right that they were actually questions that brewers and winemakers had that they needed help with and they paid louis pasteur to find out why the wine was going off they paid there was a uh Enzymatic reactions was the French offering basically the same as like the SpaceX prize, right? They offered a ton of gold to whoever could figure out, was it a biological reaction or a chemical reaction that was going or, on? Or just plain magic. Yeah, just, yeah, throw some rags in the corner and mice appear, right? Like, what's... <laughs> so... I, I didn't know that, and that's really, that's really... So you owe that, that, that unnamed professor... Uh, uh, a solid, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. set off. He set you off on the path. And so yeah. you, you said you, you went to Glenfiddich in Scotland at some point, but that, that wasn't purposeful to like make the switch from uh, beer to, to whiskey? It was part of that transition. It was. So, yeah. So it was doing summers at uh, Bridgeport and then graduated from the U of O and went up to Seattle and worked in Pyramid Brewing Company in Seattle and uh, was trying to make that switch over to whiskey. But, you know, back in the 90s, unless 
Jack Daniels was your father or Jim Beam was your uncle, right? Like it was really difficult to get into the distilling industry. And um, one of the places that you could go was to Harriet Watt University and get a degree in brewing and distilling. And, and I had a lot of interest in beer and trying to make more beer and, and figure out, you know, what's going on with these enzymes and what's going on with yeast and fermentation and amino acids and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, but it was also really like, well, there's only one place that you can go to to learn how to make whiskey, and that's Edinburgh, Scotland. So saved up my pennies uh, and sold my Ford truck and uh, uh, bought a plane ticket to Scotland yeah, and enrolled at the University of Harriet Watts uh, in their master's in brewing and distilling program. And w I imagine that's kind of like heaven, right, for someone like you, which is in terms yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, going back to that original conversation with the professor who wouldn't let me do whatever thermodynamics uh, uh, research he was doing or whatever, uh, I was uh, like, I felt like, wow, I, I belong here. Like all of those like questions that I was asking as an undergrad at U of O uh, were like taken seriously, right? Like you had people who do research on um, foam stabilization, right? So like your your beer foam in your, your glass and like how long, like technically measuring how long does it last for and what chemical reactions are taking place as it disappears and you know, that's that's amazing like i never thought of that as like a serious endeavor let alone something that you would get you know published papers from well and with guinness and its importance in ireland i imagine there's probably been whole dissertations written on uh on the head of a guinness yeah 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 absolutely yeah you know there's uh, one of my professors jeff palmer he's a, a knight he was knighted by uh queen elizabeth uh and uh, his work was on Guinness. So Guinness had a problem where they uh, needed to start making it out of sorghum in Nigeria. And the queen, well, the queen's people called up Jeff Palmer and said, what are we gonna, how are we gonna make this happen? And three months later, he was making Guinness and Heineken from sorghum down in Lagos and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I mean, well, I, I know, but you should tell us, right? I mean, so the jump, so you graduate from your program, right? Do you, did I imagine, uh, do you guys walk up with like a bottle of whiskey when you get, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if and, only, and then jumped over the, jumped over the pond, so to speak, to, to, to Ireland, but not to Dublin. To not to Dublin, yeah. So uh, I did my master's thesis uh, at Harriet Watt uh, with Diageo, one of the, the larger drinks companies, uh, on uh, novel spirits and single malt. And after about a year and a half of doing that, um, there was an opportunity to go to Singapore uh, to start up a little brew pub. And I, I was actually originally born in Singapore. So um, I uh, took the opportunity to go back to Singapore and to sort of rediscover uh, my roots. I had a girlfriend at the time, now wife from Ireland, and we were up for a bit of an adventure. And so um, we moved to Singapore for two years. I set up a little brew pub there in Singapore called the Pump Room, which, which didn't unfortunately survive COVID. That was a real like adventure of like 
how am I going to do this? I don't know, but I know that I need to get, you know, hops. Okay. Let's call up guys in New Zealand and see if we can get some hops. Let's call up guys in Washington state and see if we can get some hops. Let's call like, and then, okay, I need malt. Okay. I'll get a order of a 44 container of malt from Germany. And after ordering two of those realize that's really expensive. Um, maybe I can get one from Australia or something else. And yeah, you start like fixing these, these problems. And uh, I think what that did is give me a lot of confidence in, in my own ability. And then going back to the chemistry days of the U of O, the, the basic science of thermodynamics, right? Of like, okay, what's, what's going on here? We've got a vessel, it's a fixed volume, it's got pressure on it. Okay, the temperature is increasing or decreasing. What are we gonna do here to try and you know, fix the problem? Um, how do other things work and, and, and where, do the, where do those crossovers happen, right? Where does the science stop and the art begin, right? Where does it become uh, a question of history or uh, a question of culture or, yeah. And, and then how do you try and uh, negotiate uh, those? Like in Singapore, if, if they don't think something's, if they, if they are presented with a problem and there's a possibility that it might be against the law. They don't know it's against the law, but there's a, maybe a question. They're kind of like, I'm not sure, right? They just won't do it. They just stop, right? Whereas I came in there as like this brash, confident American who'd spent time in Scotland and was like, well, I think I know what to do here and, and would move forward. And they would be like, what are you doing? That's crazy. You can't do that. It's like, you could be breaking a law. I'm like, I don't know what law that would be, but <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to have to hear that story another time. But that's <laughs> right. breaking the law in Singapore is, and that doesn't involve chewing gum, right, or something like right. That. <laughs> yeah. I like I like that idea of I mean of like you said of of the kind of intersection of science and art because that is very much you know what I love about about cinema. Uh, science, art, and industry, right? Because ultimately, it's a business too. And so, those the way those things, there's always this pull, right? Um, this tension, and it's yeah. And not that I think cinema and whiskey are exactly alike, but it, you know, there seems like that but they are. You know, pushing technologies, right? Trying to have uh, as wide an audience as possible. They are both. You could argue entertainment, right? Like they're not. They're not necessary for life. You don't. Uh, you I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I hear you. So yeah. so a brew pub in Singapore to master distiller in Dublin. That I mean, you know, like that's. I don't want to go yeah, through. Yeah, that was a long dark road there, Michael. That was that was. <laughs> well, just yeah. give us give us the light at the end of the tunnel. What? How did I mean? How did that happen? So what basically happened was we moved back to Ireland in two thousand. Eight, right in time for the Celtic Tiger to well and truly die. Uh, so the they call it the Troika came in. Basically, the World Bank and the European Bank came in and um, laden the Irish taxpayer with an unholy amount of debt. And uh, everybody that could leave Ireland was leaving Ireland. And uh, I was the uh, idiot that was uh, flying in from Singapore. <laughs> with thoughts of like, I'll start a brewery. This will be great. Um, 
And yeah, and struggled there. Struggled to find anyone with uh, money that wanted to stay in Ireland. Struggled to find um, people that, but you know, whereas the uh, whole recession and, and all of that, the great recession that happened then, I think was good for spurring people into new ideas and new things. And uh, and one of the things that was happening was this growth in Irish whiskey. There was there was you could see the green shoots there of people, uh, largely in the United States, interested in um, moving on from bourbon, moving on from Scotch, maybe, and seeing what Irish whiskey was was like. Uh, and Irish whiskey didn't have I didn't think from a, a historical or technical point of view the the trappings of Scotch or the uh, nostalgia, I guess, of bourbon attached to it, right? So you could, you could do things that were maybe a bit unusual and a bit strange. And that's one of the things that appealed to me about Irish whiskey, that you could take you know, new ideas and see, well, maybe that would work. Would people would be interested in that? I don't know, but let's find out. And, 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 and the Teelings were willing to take you on, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they uh, had a real entrepreneurial uh, streak. Uh, they were looking for some way. They had for, what, about 20 years struggled to compete against the large uh, uh, distilleries in Ireland, well, the large distillery in Ireland, the Jameson, right? Uh, and they realized that, like, you couldn't uh, win on price. You couldn't win on distribution or promotion, right? If you were going to win, you had to win on taste you had to have something that people were interested in in drinking uh and and i had learned those same lessons in the craft beer industry right when i was working at bridgeport and working at pyramid we were making ipas back in the 90s and we were making hefeweizens and porters right it was don't take on the big american loggers at their own game where they aren't that's where you go right and you read the book how porter is made and you make a couple crappy batches at first, but eventually you kind of figure it out. Right. And, um, and then what I had seen also in craft beer was in around that sort of great recession time, people realizing that like, I could actually make a really good beer and I can make a beer that tastes exactly the way I want it to taste. And I can charge a lot for it and, and people will buy it. Right. And I thought that, that is set up to happen in Irish whiskey. We're going to move from like shots of Jameson along with the Miller High Life to, to actually like, I like this whiskey. You've been the master distiller of Teeling since day one, right? Since it started in 2015. Um, and I would say just, you know, as a shout out, if if you're, you're in Dublin, you should definitely go because um, it's uh, it's an amazing place, but it's also, you know, neck deep in the history of Irish whiskey because uh, so many places were there. So it's this really interesting intersection of old and new and, and you were in on the ground floor. Yeah. And that's been a great, uh, another kick in the pants, another great journey there of like, yeah, how do you take a place that's steeped in history and tradition, like the liberties in Dublin, right. That has all of this uh, natural uh, history and location for making uh, whiskey and um, and bring it into the modern era. And that's been pretty uh, exciting to see that. 
so teeling starting up teeling i mean so one thing is like you i mean you had already worked for the family you had already proven yourself um but starting a whole starting from the beginning like creating a whiskey from the beginning you know what one what what is irish whiskey right i mean like at, at its most basic and then what is irish whiskey when uh, an american distiller uh is 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 running the ship yeah so irish whiskey at its most basic level basically has to be made from grain right uh that's been milled mashed fermented distilled and matured on the island of ireland for a minimum of three years now that's pretty simple that's 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 a, a fairly standard bar that everybody uh, will legally has to cross but within that and there's there's a law there's the irish whiskey act which states exactly in, in more detail than that what you can and you, you can't do but there's loads of gray area in there right so when when i as an american look at the irish whiskey act and i look at the tradition and the history of making irish whiskey you can you can you don't have to look far you can look back to what they were doing basically before the 1920s and uh see that there was a lot of things that were being done that aren't being done today so you can take inspiration from the past so you had a situation going back 20 years ago where there was one player in town basically and uh they kind of had their way of doing it and that was it and 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 in fairness to them, they've done a great job of bringing Irish whiskey back from the brink. Irish whiskey, a hundred years ago, was uh, the on top. It was uh, doing great, and then prohibition and uh, Irish independence and uh, unwillingness to adapt to new technology led to Ireland going through about eighty years of decline. Uh, and it went from being sixty percent of the world's whiskey to less than one, and and now. Since 2000, Irish whiskey has been on this huge trajectory up. And that's been great. But I think that as that trend continues, right, we need to move in a new direction. Most importantly, I think, Michael, go out there and, and talk to consumers and find out, like, what do they want? What do they like, right? Like, it's not that I'm some, like, um, whiskey god or some, like, uh, uh, what you do, are, you think you are a whiskey god though at this point right i mean i that's that's a that's probably a good title for a, for a teacher. <laughs> um so i want to actually talk about some of those flavors but you know it it reminded me i mean as you talk about experimenting you know when you you come from a beer background and we've talked about this before a little bit right you make a batch of beer you pretty much know what it tastes like and what it's going to be and i don't know a couple of weeks, you know, like yeah, about a month, a month, right? You can't do that with whiskey, right? I mean, it's it's. I mean, part of the process, the things, you know, is is the aging, is the transformation, is is time. And since time is money, right? What I mean, how do you balance that experimentation for something that, like you said, you know, like what, three years at a minimum and probably longer until you find out if that if that worked or not. Yeah, so there's a few different ways you can do that. Uh, like the whiskey making process, okay, from the start to the finish might be, you know, for a single malt 12 years, right? But 
in those last couple of years when it's in the cask, when it's doing that magical transformation and the whiskey gets all of its color and, and a lot of its flavor from the cask, from the, the wood that it's in, um, you can uh, finish it in a different cask. So you can take an existing stock that might be okay, but not particularly interesting. And you can put it into uh, an interesting wine cask or an interesting beer cask, or um, maybe put it into some uh, virgin oak uh, that nobody else has used before or hasn't used very much and um, and you can affect change that way but you also end up with a, a pipeline of sort of ideas that you've uh, started maybe like there's stuff that we made in 2017 and 2018 that I'm even now going like oh yeah I forgot all about that one like that's yeah, yeah that was interesting what's that wow that's pretty good right so so you have different things at different ideas on different timelines so um so i wanted to, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning here and it's so it's it's whiskey time for you but uh so i don't want to do a whole flight but i thought we could do a a little tasting um and actually i yeah. have i have what uh i have what is i would assume you falls under your experimentation right um which is uh the wonders of wood Right, that's a series. Is that is that a series? Yeah, I've got it here too. There we go. Yeah. The we're we're, we're going to be audio only, but it's a it's a beautiful bottle. Comes in a beautiful case, um, and uh, so this was. It even has your name on it. Uh, it has my signature on it and everything. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty nice. So explain, I guess, explain like default basic teeling whiskey if there is such a thing, and then what this is because Wonders of Wood, which is a lovely name and. A very Oregon, right? Going back to the yeah. Oregon. fine. Explain, explain, explain Irish whiskey and what this, why, why you made wonders of wood. So teeling whiskey is all about being a little bit different, right? Not not being a lot different. We're not trying to be like totally crazy, right? It's about taking the flavors of Irish whiskey and just sort of putting a little bit of a twist. On it. So we do that with our, our standard small batch blend where we age our whiskey for 12 months in a rum cask and it gets a little rum raisin nose and it's a little bit sweeter than your standard Irish whiskey. And I think it adds a layer of like um, complexity and depth to what you, if you were, if you like your whiskey and you like your Irish whiskey, killing small batch is a real winner. It's, it's not gonna, it's not completely changing the world, but it's just, nice whiskey right it's my and, default yeah it's a good default whiskey absolutely um and the wonders of wood is our attempt to try and have some limited releases of some more out there kind of thoughts and ideas so this one is a pot still whiskey pot still is a style of whiskey that's unique to ireland and uses uh, malted and unmalted barley which is unique uh, so it'd be sort of like the Irish equivalent of like rye, right? And and when I, I was saying that for years about pot still, and then realized that, well, American rye whiskey is aged in these casts typically that's uh, made from chinkapin oak. So it's a oak that comes from the Appalachia mountain range, right? And uh, it's different than your uh, Corcus alba, which is your standard white oak. Your standard white oak has a vanilla honey sweetness to it. The chinkapin oak has more of like a gingerbread coffee kind of spiciness to it. Um, and I thought, well, if they're using that for rye, 
And if pot still is the Irish version of rye, then why wouldn't we age pot still whiskey and chinkapin cap? And what you have there in your hand, Michael, is the, the results. And and it's been a great whiskey. It's, it's been a great whiskey. I don't even, it's not just that I think it's a great whiskey. That's won the world's best single pot still at the World Whiskey Awards in London. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful little whiskey. And one of the things that I'm really sorry, proud of with the wonders of wood is we have this project that we're doing with the Tree Council of Ireland. So for every bottle that's sold of it, we make, uh, or for all the bottles that are sold, we make a donation to the Irish Tree Council. And we uh, put that towards reforesting uh, different parts of Ireland. Because Ireland used to have an amazing uh, forest across it. Uh, you think now of Ireland as the green hills, right? Well, it wasn't all grass before. There was a lot of uh, woodlands in there. And, and unfortunately, that's been deforested over the years. And we're, we're trying now to bring some of that forestry back to the, the green hills of Ireland. Um, and not in a way that's trying to make the next casts for the Teal and Whiskey Company. We're putting elms and larch and, and native Irish trees uh, out there, right? Because it's not about us trying to, um, you know, further whiskey all the time. It's about trying to further ourselves and society and, and make the place a bit better. Yeah. So, see, whiskey is important. It's not just entertainment. <laughs> that's real ecological benefit. <laughs> well, and that's something, obviously, again, from, you know, from uh, Oregon, there's definitely a strong environmental yeah here. so that's great i'm gonna i'm gonna crack it open um all right it's uh so it, it's uh it's a darker color than the small batch right is that yeah is, yeah it's got more of a yeah golden brown kind of color whereas the small batch is more light gold yeah and i i should say i you know i'm not a, i'm one of the i know what i like but i don't i'm not a i'm not an expert but i'm glad you said like gingery because it's funny it, it feels a little bit like uh i i didn't think about the rye i didn't know about the rye but it does it has that it, it does feel like an american distiller who knows their irish whiskey really well <laughs> and i say that as a compliment you know it seems like almost um kind of that 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 venn diagram in some ways and that must be the must be the oak but very nice for nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> it's a good breakfast you list. can see i've been coming to ireland for quite a while so <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's lovely and it and it is i mean what is what i like I, and i said this to you about irish whiskey is that kind of like it is both tradition and history and yet not everyone you know they're all very different and sometimes they're different like with teeling because you guys are purposely trying things. And that's, I think that that's exciting for any kind of uh, thing that we, you know, entertainment, right? I mean, like that's yeah. like, it's like a film it's, genre, right? Like genres, like a bad genre film is, you know, it's okay, but you know exactly what you're getting, but a good genre film plays off of that, you know, off that base that we all have, we know it, that we know what's going to happen in a Western. Exactly. Movie. Everyone's in on the joke. Everyone right. knows what to expect, and then it's you know paying uh, homage to it, or or maybe uh, taking it in a little different direction than what you're expecting. And that's yeah. what makes a great film. And I, to some extent, it seems like that's what makes a great Irish whiskey as well. Yeah, I'd say so. But also in that regard, it's not 
it's not trying to um, replicate Citizen Kane, right? It's saying, yes, I know Citizen Kane, and, and this is how I'm going to do that same thing that Orson Welles was doing there, right? And then the same, I think, with being, what we say is we're aware of the past. We, we, we pay respect and homage to the past, right? But we're, we're strong enough to go forward in our own direction, too. And I think that's important also, that it's not just, oh, here's a remake of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, that it's, it's, it's a different take on it. It's a modern take on that, right? That's uh, very well said. So maybe that's a good that's a good place to end. Um, but uh, thanks so much, Alec. And as I said to anyone out there, I highly, highly recommend heading over to Dublin and heading into the Liberties to take a tour at Teeling and see some of that Oregon pine. We're more than happy to welcome ducks to the distillery. We're open seven days a week, and it's always great to get people from Oregon. We even let a few beavers in too. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to check out the show notes for links and info about how to stay in touch. Thanks for listening to The Doc Stops Here.